Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Um, good morning, and um, what a joy it is always to be with you and sharing around God's Word. Shout out to everybody online. Thanks for joining us. And if you're visiting or it's your first time here, firstly, welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you'd take the time to um, come and spend with us on a Sunday morning. You could be anywhere else, but here you are. Look at you guys, front row, looking fresh, just ready to hear from the Lord. Um, thank you for joining us. And also secondly, um, as a as guest, as a church across all of our locations, we've been having uh, what I'm calling a team huddle, a conversation around unity. And we've heard over the last few weeks from Tim and Mike, shout out to them, who have really, I think, articulated the heart of our church as it pertains to this subject so honestly and vulnerably and just so much respect for those guys. And I get to conclude today, uh, this series, Better Together. Uh, A question for the room, as always, who has a real Bible in the house? Wave it at me. Come on, young people. These are my friends right here. Anyone else? Come on. Yes, this gentleman's been waiting for me to ask the question. He said last week, he said, you didn't ask the question, but look at him now. His Bible is still in the air. Come on. Um, Let's go to Acts chapter 1, and we'll read just a couple of verses, and then we'll get this party started. If you've got a notebook, get your notebook as well. Uh, It's good to take notes in church. Uh, Here's what it says in Acts chapter 1. Jesus has just given the the disciples uh, some instruction, and He has uh, since left, ascended towards heaven. And we'll pick it up in verse 12. Is that cool? Come on. Okay, here's what it says. The apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. Important details. When they arrived, they went up to the upstairs room. Someone say the upper room. Oh, yes, of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Register. Peter, present. John, present. James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, present. James, son of Alphaeus, present. Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. I am. I want to take a few moments just to close out this series, Better Together, really talking about how we do together better. How do we do together better? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence in this house. Lord, you are doing something already. You're moving, you're speaking. We thank you for your word that as your word goes out, it lands on good soil, that your word establishes, your word restores, it it, it heals, God, it, it turns situations around. I pray this morning in the room and online that, God, your word would be transformative, that this just wouldn't be a transaction, but rather you would transform our lives. We pray. In Jesus' name, and someone with faith said, 
Amen. Thank you, sir. How very kind of you making me sound spiritual um, here on a Sunday morning. Together, better. Look, I don't want to state the obvious here this morning. Um, I don't know if you've realized, but we're different. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're different, all of us in the room, uh, ethnically, socioeconomically, culturally, uh, intellectually, emotionally, you name it, we're different. We've all been raised differently with different values and expectations placed on our lives that have informed how we see the world perhaps and how uh, we go about our daily lives. We're different. I grew up in an African household. Most of you did not, okay? Uh, we in our house would never refer to an adult by their first name. If your kids don't put an uncle in front of my name, we've got a problem. Okay, can I get an amen for, from a couple of church aunties in the house? Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, our, I mean our, our food was different. You know, some of us, when we're having meat, there needs to be some seasoning, okay? There needs to be some flavor, salt and pepper at the very least, okay? Um, I, I'm, quite, I'm quite ashamed to show you this image. This is one of my disciples at Gastrid Academy who put this on his Be Real um, just a, a week or so ago. And I'm obviously not doing a great job. John gave me permission to show this image. Be careful what you put on social media because I'm going to preach about it, okay, if I see it. <laughs> John, he's cooking some pork straight out of the packet and into the pan. I mean, for some this is okay, but this is a travesty. <laughs> I don't even see any pepper on there. Pepper, at the very least. <laughs> We're different. Discipline. I mean, some of you discipline your kids very differently. So I, I experienced discipline growing up. Some of you, some of my friends, you know, they grew up getting sent to the naughty step, you know, to, have, to, have, to, to, to think about their behavior. Five, any parents do the five-second countdown? Anyone in the room? Five seconds yet? One, two of you. Five seconds to think about your behavior, that's a blessing. A, a time out. A time out. The only time we had was to run when we were naughty. I'm telling you, less, less on my childhood traumas. Are you getting the sense that we're different? I mean, I, at school, I mean, school, when the register, we just read a register just now in our text. Uh, the register was traumatic for me. My full name is Ditebucho Smongagong Mpanza. And so you can understand... You can understand that when it came to my name uh, at the at registration time, it was a bit traumatizing. You know, I'd hear Matthew Stewart, present, friends of mine, Ross Holly, present, Andrew Randalls, present, Anthony Fisher, present. And when it comes to my name, there's always a pause, you know. <laughs> D, da, da, I'm here, I'm here, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm like apologizing, you know, I'm like 11. <laughs> We're different. Look at the disciples in our text this morning. Peter. Peter, the most dominant apostle, not necessarily because the others respected him, but because he was the loudest and most abrasive. He spoke quickly. Uh, and sometimes brilliantly, John, the beloved disciple who had a bit of a rivalry with Peter, James. We know, not, we know nothing about James other than his name. You know, no dynamic demonstration of faith or any written scripture, and yet his name alone, 
His name alone on that register commends his character, perhaps a lesson for us all here today in serving and existing faithfully in the shadows. Andrew. I like Andrew. I see a bit of myself in Andrew. Andrew wasn't quite there. You know, he wasn't, he always fell short of prominence. He, he wasn't on the executive leadership team along with Peter, James, and John, you know, of Jesus. He, he, he was valuable. He always brought people to Jesus. He brought the young man with five loaves and two fish to Jesus for one of the most incredible miracles. He brought his own brother, Peter, to Jesus. Perhaps if it had not been for Andrew, there may just not be uh, a Peter. Philip, um, one or two Philips in the room here for sure. You know, Philip had good faith. He had a good heart, but you know what? He had difficulty at times trusting in Jesus. Uh, Philip, it was Philip in John 14, 8, who said to Jesus, show us the Father. You know, he needed a bit of a nudge. You know, some of us, you know, we need a bit of a nudge. Maybe that's what this, these moments are about for you. Just a little bit of a of a nudge to get him where he needed to be. Doubting Thomas was present, Bartholomew, Matthew, a hated tax collector until Jesus called him, ends up throwing a party for Jesus and invites all his friends, a lesson in evangelism. That perhaps those who appear at first glance to be antagonistic towards the gospel may just be its finest prospects at the end of the day. James, Simon the Zealot, the other Judas, the women, Mary, mother of Jesus, Jesus' brothers, all of them in our text mentioned different. We're different. Where I struggle sometimes is when our differences divide us rather than unite us. Especially in places like this, places that should be safe. Or wherever you feel safe. I struggle when our differences don't bring us together, but rather cause division. We've heard from Gavin, from Cookie, from Esther the last couple of weeks, just regarding some of their experiences. And let's just take a quick moment now just to, just to watch this last installment, and we'll pick it back up in a moment. So I'd love to know, guys, has the church or its community ever negatively impacted the formation of your identity? I guess for me, I think, if I'm honest, I think the church at some point in my past did negatively impact my identity. I think I agree my identity is in Christ, but I think when you go to church or when you're in the community, you need that truth affirmed. And there was a point in a past church experience where the church was telling me this kind of same thing the world was telling me about myself. Um, and then I stopped going to church for a really long time because I was like, I just can't get a break. I can't catch a break. And so I think, yeah, when um, things aren't spoken about, when these issues aren't discussed, when we're not pursuing unity, um, that is a missed opportunity to affirm um, something in our brothers and sisters and stuff. Um, that the world doesn't and that Jesus actually does. And so I think, yeah, that missing actually really did impact me. It confused me and um, made me resent the church. Um, but yeah, I think you do have to work to remember that, that 
doesn't matter that there's a truth beyond that and i think obviously this series isn't just isn't just about racial unity it's about unity of of all kinds i think um i think i was really negatively impacted by the church um through being a woman and i also think by not being a stereotypical woman so i didn't um you know the phrase jesus was all being meek i was not meek um i was never going to be meek um i was loud i was opinionated i didn't want to be a mother um and i knew all these things i can articulate it now but as a as a kid as a teenager um i think it was very much the sense of the you know the biblical way of being a woman is often you know the path is you get married you have kids and you raise them to be christians and that's it um and a lot of the bible stories can often focus on um women behaving a certain way um and so i found that really tough and i think it wasn't until um i was an adult and i really started leaning into my walk with christ that god just really revealed that he made me the way i am and like the kind of woman i am is a christian woman so i think i think i had to overcome those messages which are of the world you know like like you said those those messages are of the world as well that's not just the church in isolation but i think yeah that that was a formation of my identity which i really could have done without um but my identity is in christ and that's what's helped me to overcome it thanks guys and so so as we as we draw it to a close like tell us what does the vision of a better future look like for you and how do you think we get there love thy neighbor as thyself really this is what the bible teaches us you know you know, if you love yourself, you will love your neighbor. Mm. The same way. We need to start with that little change in ourselves. Mm. Love our neighbors as we love ourselves. I'd say um, looking at nuance, like seeing each person for just who God created them specifically to be, not the label or the category they fit in, but just mm. who they are. True. And when we do that for everyone, I just think we'd see a more unified community. Yeah. I think for me, it's honesty and being really honest and recognising the impact of racism, sexism, whatever whatever thing it is that's tearing people apart, I think, because until we're honest about actually this is the way things are, then I think that's the first step to seeing people, how they truly are and and how, how Jesus made them. I think... Yeah, unity in the church looks like everyone being able to be completely themselves. That includes embodying what their culture is, um, embodying what their race is, because those things aren't wrong. There's nothing wrong with being different races and there's nothing Mm. wrong with being different cultures. It's allowing people to be who they are and not feeling any sense of superiority or inferiority based on that. That's what I, yeah, that's what I'd say. Mm. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. These um, conversations over the last few weeks have, haven't been an easy watch um, because in one way or another, you know, one has to, has to deal and face with, uh, and face some of the stuff, um, whether, whether I'm buying coffee at a coffee shop or whether I'm walking into a restaurant, I don't know, because I'm wearing a cap with my wife 
whether I'm on a leisurely afternoon run, even just yesterday, I run past a gentleman, he looks at me up and down as though to suggest, what are you doing here? But you know what? I don't want to give a lot of airtime to what divides us. I'm more interested this morning in what unites us. I want to shine a light and put a spotlight on what can bring us, the church of Jesus Christ, together. Jesus gave the disciples an instruction in Acts chapter one, in this chapter, verse number four. He said this, he says, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And there they were in the upper room together. A strange mixture of of humanity. Each had their own reason for being there, the knowledge of what Jesus had meant to each of them. And here we are today, each of us with our own reasons and stories regarding what we believe and why we believe it considering what Jesus means to us, but what were they to each other except for people who had a common loyalty to Jesus and now he was gone. And now they had to sit and wait, look at each other in the eye, often very difficult to do, open their hearts to one another, share in their loneliness and their grief over Jesus's absence uh, and their wonderment for the future. And here we are today as diverse as we are, younger, more mature, multi-ethnic, multi-cultural privilege in the room and some less so a reclaimed people whose lives and paths may never have crossed if it had not been for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus who not only reconciled us to the Father, but also to one another. Oh, come on, that's worth, that's worth a bit of an amen in the room. I mean, praise God amen. that because of Jesus, you and I are friends, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God. There in the upper room, we have Jesus' disciples and his family united uh, together by a common grief. And I don't know if they had much relationship to build on. Perhaps Jesus's family were a little bit upset at the disciples because Jesus had chosen to spend a lot more time with the tax collector, uh, with, 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 with the fishermen, with, with the zealots. I mean, he had no time for his own family. Put yourself into the drama of that human relationship for a moment. It resembled what you would find in a group of people gathered for a funeral who had no basis for relating for one another other than the deceased, nevertheless, they had a common grief. When you and I are wrecked by the heartbreaking realities of all the isms out there, you, you name them, it can open our hearts to one another. It can open up conversations like the one we've been having over the last three weeks. Just two weeks ago, I had a couple of friends around and one of them was sharing regarding their their journey in a relationship they're going through right now. And they ended up asking my wife and I, hey, what has it been like for you in an interracial marriage? Uh, what, have, what, what, what have you experienced? And we ended up opening up about how actually at, at times when we go to certain places, 
it is tricky. We got to a place where there was a unity in our conversation around a common grief. When we're united by a common grief, we can begin to build bridges between us. It, it can put conflicts between friendships into perspective. Mutual need, purpose, and pursuit can break the fabric of, of memories that, that hurt, of what we have said or done to one another. In the upper room, there was, there was a shared hope that galvanized them, that brought these, these people together. Jesus said that he would be back. He said he'd be back. All hope was not lost. They can tell us all they like that the church is in decline. They can tell us that it's lost its relevance, that it's lost its voice as a leader in the nation. But can I talk to your spirit this morning and let you know that, that all hope is not lost? Jesus is coming back. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing here today. We had a, um, a, a gathering yesterday with all our business community in the church and entrepreneurs, and the overwhelming sense in the room was that the church needs to be the leading voice in our city. Who's the church? It's us. The leading voice. In the city, an overwhelming sense. I, I encourage you this morning. He, he's, he's the alpha. He's the omega. He's, he's the beginning and the end. He's the victorious one, the frail thread of anticipation. And each one of those people in that room was woven into the strong bond of unity. Perhaps the frail thread of, uh, not frail, I guess, uh, judging by the sense of the presence of God in this place here this morning of hope and anticipation perhaps will be what will form a strong bond of unity between us, the church of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 17, just a few chapters on, there's a remarkable verse where Jesus' followers are described by their enemies as the ones who turn the world upside down. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, can you imagine the description of, 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 of a place like this, that these people, they, they turning the city upside down. Jesus said to his disciples in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another, not how well you can get up and articulate and, and, and not what a great musician you are or not what a great space you meet in on a Sunday morning, the fact that you can beam out to the four corners of the world. No, it's gonna be your love for one another that is gonna prove that you are my disciples, that is gonna speak of your unity. How do we, the church, get to, uh, get to a point where our togetherness is our testimony, where our diversity is our distinctive, one of our values that we pride ourselves on at Gastric. This is what makes us who we are. How do we do together better? How do we do it? I don't have all the answers, but perhaps firstly, with one accord. Just perhaps all the disciples with one accord, verse 14. This phrase is found 11 times in the book of Acts. It's made up of two words that mean same and mind. The phrase speaks of people sharing the same mind or thinking like-mindedly 
It doesn't refer to people who all think and feel the same way about everything. That's, that's impossible. But to people who set aside personal feelings and commit themselves to one task. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Constantly united in prayer is a strong expression because it speaks of persistence in prayer. How's your prayer life going in 2023? Just checking it. Just being a good pastor. How's, how's your prayer life going in 2023? Contrary to the view of, of some, they were, not, they were not praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They hadn't been told to pray for that. They were told to wait for it. They were told to, to wait for the Spirit of God. They knew it was coming. How would we pray if we knew that the Spirit of God was about to hit this room in 10 minutes? Online, how would, how would you pray? They prayed the coming of God's Spirit depended only on God's, on God's promise, but while they were waiting, they prayed. What are you doing while you wait? Are you worrying? Are you having arguments all across the place? What are you doing while you wait? Are you losing sleep? Are you overthinking, creating solutions in your mind that will never exist? I don't know, why don't you get yourself busy? All the energy you're spending, overthinking, worrying, why don't you, I don't know, learn a new skill, learn to play the guitar or something. In all the energy you and I spend, they, they pray. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Look, I don't want to bang on too much about prayer because we had a, an incredible um, weekend on prayer just a few weeks back. But I do want to highlight that the primary, the primary characteristic that, uh, that marked their life together was prayer. Pastor and author A.T. Pearson said this, there has never been a revival in any country that has not begun in united prayer. And no revival has ever continued beyond the duration of those prayer meetings. If you don't attend a prayer meeting at least once a month, let's set the expectation low, I don't know what you do. Our prayer meetings need to be electric. They need to be on fire. Because we need revival here. We must prepare for a fresh outpouring of God's spirit by united, consistent prayer. They have turned the world upside down. It's, it has to have been with one accord. They had to have been united. Was it perhaps devotion? I mean, what a boring word. I mean, who wants to be devoted? Then devotion, a lesson, some lessons from the early church, Acts chapter two, verse 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word. They devoted themselves to the word of the Lord. Devotion means to have a love and loyalty and an enthusiasm for, for something. They were willing to be taught. I don't just say, hey, grab your notebook, grab your Bible, just because it's a cool thing to say before I preach, but because I recognize and I realize that, that, that we, need, 
We need to fall in love and we need to, we need to engage with the scriptures. We need, to, we need to write down the thought that may just change the trajectory of our lives. We need, to, we need to be active listeners. This isn't entertainment. This isn't a show. This isn't a transactional. I'm not, this isn't a transaction. This is transformative. Woo! The Lord wants to infiltrate our lives, our minds, our souls, our spirit. But we have to engage. The church needs to engage again and say goodbye to casual Christianity. There's nothing casual about this. People are dying and they don't know the Lord. That ought to upset us. There's nothing casual about this. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Not only had, they not only had a mutual affection to each other, but a great deal of mutual conversation with each other and to sharing in meals. They took all occasions to meet. Whoever, wherever you saw a disciple, you would see at least one more, kind of like Medicine Bakery in Birmingham. You know, if you want to find a Christian, go to Medicine. They're probably there having a donut right now. <laughs> if you want your faith to be lifted. But I wonder this morning, oh, it says this. It says this, a deep sense of awe came over all of them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. When was the last time your friendship cost you something? When was the last time you reached into your pocket for somebody in need, where you, where you actively listened, where you just heard on the streets, the grapevine, and you moved to action? When was the last time? Each day the Lord added to the fellowship, those who are being saved, maybe the band can come up and we'll wrap up and we'll pray. When was the last time? Devotion isn't about how we feel on any given day. As my younger brother, Tato, would say, it's fundamental. It's, 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 it's fundamental. Pete Cunningham was sharing here just yesterday uh, to the business community, he was saying, hey, you... You, you, have to, you have to be in the scripture every day. We all know that. We all know that we have to be in it. The word of God is, is alive. Young people, the word of God is alive. You guys want to fall in love with the word of the Lord. Change your life. You guys, I'm, I'm looking at, at leaders here. I'm looking at young men and women who are carrying the anointing of the Father. He's got a plan for your life. He's speaking. You have to get to know the scripture. It's important. It's important, 10 minutes a day. That's it, before school. I fall in love with the word of the Lord. It's, it's alive, it's active, it's sharp. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's able to get into the spaces and places in your life that perhaps nothing else can get into. Nothing else. You can try all the things of the world. You can try this. You can try that. You can try sex, drugs, rock and roll, alcohol. It's never going to satisfy you the way, the way the word of the Lord will. Change your life. Just stand up. Come on. Gastric youth, just stand up. Come on. Let's just pray for you right now. Let's just not wait till the end. Let's just do it now. Yeah, any other young people around? Just... Can we stretch our hands towards the young people? Ah, 
can you guys lift your hands? Like, forget about your friends, right? Just lift your hands towards heaven. You have to, you have to get used to lifting your hands towards the Father. Yeah, that's it. Ah, Jesus. If you're a young person online, this is me too. Lift your hands where you are. Lord, just touch the young people right now by your spirit. Just come. Give these young people a voice. A voice in their school, God. Even when they get back to school from half term, let it just be different. Let them see people differently. Let them, give them the gift of encouragement, the gift of discernment, prophetic gifts. I pray, Lord God, that these young people begin to move in the spirit. Thank you for raising up preachers in our church, evangelists, the sharpest thinkers around. Thank you, Lord, for, for worship leaders here. God, a fresh anointing right now. Just touch them. Hey. Hey. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, remarkable, remarkable. All the young people in the room that are not here, you guys can sit down. The prodigals, some of your kids that, that, don't, that don't know the Lord, we're praying for them that right now, the Lord would send a word. There'd be a turnaround in the name of Jesus. Let me finish up because I've got one and a half minutes left. With one accord, devotion. Let's not forget about the outpouring. The outpouring, we're seeing it right now across the world. The outpouring. Acts chapter two, verse number one. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and filled the house where they were staying. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone who was present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, all of this doing is fueled by the Spirit of God. This is the church's distinctive, it's the Holy Spirit. We can't do this without the Spirit of God. We can't go after unity without the Spirit of God. Otherwise, it's our own strength. Otherwise, it's just another Sunday club. This is not a Sunday club. I'm looking around, this is the powerful move of the Holy Spirit. The Kingdom of God is unstoppable. Nothing's gonna stop us. And as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about that. You've not been given a spirit of timidity in this season. You've been given a spirit of power in 2023. Whatever has set you back, whatever has been disappointing, whatever you've lost in the last season, you're getting it back in the name of Jesus. The Lord is about to raise up a generation who are unafraid, unapologetic, who've got a voice. I, I see young people praying for their parents praying for their families, seeing the lost come home, seeing the sick healed, hope restored. Oh, come on, is there anybody in the room here today who believes that we serve a God who is on the move right now? Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.